Hello and welcome to a Happy Mind podcast. My name is Sam and I'm an anxiety and mindset coach for women all over the world. This podcast is here to give you strategies, support and empowerment to take you away from anxiety, fear and insecurity and ready to thrive in your life just as you truly deserve. I want to become your motivator, your friend, your support and your coach. And this podcast is my virtual way to do that with you. Subscribe, review and enjoy this podcast because it really is my gift to you. Here is to your happy mind. Right, here we go again. Literally, I love these interviews because when I do them on my own, I can't do this intro. So it's like probably my favorite bit. Before I tell you anything about who we're speaking to and literally the most amazing actionable steps that you can take away from this podcast, we have to obviously start with our energetic, excited, positive welcome. So can I get a whoop? Can I get a whoop whoop? <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I get anyone on, they always think, oh my gosh, Sam, you're literally a lunatic, but I love it. I love I'm it. So glad. So the person I'm speaking to in it again, and I know I say this every time I have a guest on, if you don't know anything about this lady, you need to go and stalk her. You have to get her book. You need to get engrossed in everything that she does. But if you do know who she is, then you probably already have this book. But either way, you need to make sure that you're connecting, speaking to her because she has so many actionable, simple golden nuggets that you can take away and use in your life. So we are speaking today to Chloe Brotheridge, who has written The Anxiety Solution. And if you have got this book, it's exactly what it says on the tin. It's giving you simple ways that you can take away in your life to create a calm you so that anxiety isn't ruling the roost. So thank you so much, Chloe, for coming on and talking to me. Thank you so much for having me. It's really good to chat to you. I know. I'm so, I'm so excited. And I literally, before we got onto this call, I was actually on Chloe's Instagram stories and then she appeared on the video and I was like, oh my God, I'm actually watching you now and you're wearing the same clothes. <laughs> <laughs> so and, um, the first thing I want to speak to you about really, because before we get into the interview, I kind of want you to just tell everybody a bit from your perspective, rather than someone always introducing you and telling you, uh, telling the audience how they perceive you, just a bit about you and where you've come from and what you're doing so that people get to know you better. Yeah, absolutely. So, so my main job is I'm a hypnotherapist and I specialize in helping people with anxiety and the reason I got into it is because I used to struggle a lot with anxiety myself. I started having panic attacks when I was about 15. Mm. And that was kind of years of panic attacks and, you know, generalized anxiety and social anxiety. So I used to, for example, get so nervous about meeting people for the first time that my hands would shake. Um, and I used to, I once was giving a presentation and I felt like I'd come out of my body and basically dissociated because I was so kind of anxious and nervous about it. Um, and I, I literally, you know, experienced anxiety for about 10 years before I got any help for it. And I know this is probably something that a lot of people will kind of have experienced in their own lives because sadly we often put up with feeling anxious or think that there's nothing we can do about it or that we can't change and so I was about 25 when I properly started to get help and 
went on a real mission to become a calmer person and find out as much as I got different techniques to help myself. And I've made a lot of progress over the years. And so, yeah, I really love helping other people who have gone through the same sort of thing as I've gone through. Um, so yeah, that led me to writing my book and yeah, here I am now. I love it. And you're so right because, um, and this is another reason why I ended up kind of, you know, following you and getting to know you because I was, yeah, 10 years of my life I spent just accepting and thinking that I had to accept that this was the person that I was, this anxious person. And I, and I just felt like maybe there wasn't another way for me to be because I'd got so used to that. So I think it's so nice to hear that it's not, if they're listening, it's not unusual to be in a situation where you feel like that, you know, you just have to accept those feelings. Yeah. Or you just feel really stuck and Mm. that nothing will help you or you're going to feel like that way forever, but it's not true. It's not true. Mm. And this actually leads me on really nicely because I wasn't even going to really talk about this on the podcast, but I, I watched your Insta stories a couple of days ago and I just, it really struck a chord with me that so many people experience this way of being and these thought habits and don't even realize. And as an avid Chloe Brotheridge follower, obviously I saw this, but for someone listening to this podcast, they might not have actually been exposed to this before or even your way of explaining it and and giving an insight to it. So I want to talk about generalizing and actually how detrimental it can be to our thoughts and what simple things people can start to do to one, become aware of when they're generalizing, but two, how they can almost stop the generalizing when it's got a negative impact? Yeah, absolutely. Really good question. So generalizing is often talked about in CBT, so cognitive behavioral therapy. So some people might have had CBT in the past. But the the kind of silly example that I often think of is um, I often say to my boyfriend, you never empty the dishwasher. And the truth is, sometimes he does empty the dishwasher. But in my mind, I I make it out like he never, ever does it. And what I'm doing there is I'm generalizing. So whenever you're saying something to yourself or to someone else, like never, always, everyone, um, no one, that sort of thing, you're you're overgeneralizing. And it's basically a way of thinking about the world that is completely irrational because it's not really true. And so other examples that people might experience are having thoughts like everyone hates me or I always fail at things. And when you can step back from that and just question that, you know, say to yourself, is that true that I always fail at things? You know, have there been times that I have succeeded? And obviously there will have been times that you succeeded at things when you really are able to step back from that and and kind of think about it rationally. Mm. But as human beings, we're just very prone to being in this pattern of, of generalizing and we need to kind of just have that awareness and start to question whenever we're thinking always, never, everyone, and know that it's not really rational and it's not really true. So almost when you notice yourself using those words, it would be worthwhile just to ask the question, is this true? Is this rational? So almost use those words you've said, for example, like always, no one, never. When you hear yourself saying those words, start asking yourself questions rather than just listening to the statement. 
Exactly. So just keep keep a kind of an ear out for those those kind of statements like always and never. And when you hear yourself saying that or when you're having a thought that includes one of those words, that should just be a little kind of alarm that should go up in your mind just to question whether that is really true. Mm. And when you realize potentially, so let's say they start to use these questions and think, actually, no, it's not true. Uh, it's not rational. But for some reason, they still can't help but have that feeling or that, you know, just that, you know, when you have that heavy feeling of you still just have that injustice or that frustration, or you just, you can't help but listen to that voice. Is there anything they can do once they, yes, it might not be true and it's not rational, but I just can't help but fixate on it that you would suggest is another thing that they could do to distract them and divert them from focusing on that generalizing? So, I think doing things like writing it down can help to create a bit more space and give you a bit more perspective Mm -hmm. on what that thought is. Mm -hmm. So whenever we write things down, it just enables us to to process it. Mm -hmm. And for example, you might do something like, you know, what is some evidence that isn't true? So a typical um, generalization might be, whenever I go to a party, no one talks to me. So you might think about times in the past where people have spoken to you at parties and see if you can find some evidence that that thought isn't true. And you're just shifting your attention, you know, away from the kind of negative um, thoughts and aspects of it and really thinking about, you know, what were some positive experiences that I've had of times that I have spoken to people at parties and just trying to remind yourself of those things. I really like that. So start with noticing those trigger words, always, never, and no one, and then ask yourself questions. And then to take that one step further, write it down and then look for evidence that goes against that statement. So times where things have worked out or the boyfriend has done the dishwasher or when you have gone to that party, look for the evidence. I really like I really like that process. And I think that's something that people can really take away and use, you know, every day in any situation, would you say? Absolutely. Yeah. So even if you're just making a note of it on your phone so that you're, you know, you don't necessarily need to write it down with a pen and paper. You could just be writing it on your phone and that's just going to give you that extra bit of awareness because once we have that awareness, that's when we can start to change it. I think, these sorts of thoughts are most damaging when we don't have awareness and we, we're almost on autopilot having negative thoughts or generalizing and we don't even realize it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're so right. And I think that really leads on to, I just wish I could speak to you all day. I've got so many things I want to talk about. But oh, thank I've, you. Tried to, I've tried to pick for any of you lovelies listening to this, I've tried to pick things that I know where you are in your life and in your experiences now that Chloe can give each and every one of you a slice of action and implementation that you can walk away from this podcast and think I can actually do this right now. So if there are things that I don't talk about with Chloe or that you want to investigate more, then like I said, I'll put all of her links and you can go and reach out and listen to her Insta stories. Like I've said, you can go on her website, you can get her book, but I've tried to really think of things that all of us can use 
instantly and for any of your ranges of struggles and challenges. So the first thing that I really think is useful, and to be honest with you, Chloe, this is for me as well, because I know that I definitely don't do this as much as I could do. And when I do do it, I really can see the difference and the benefit in my digestion and, you know, my energy levels and my health and all of the things that come with it. But I'd love it if you could talk a bit about mindful eating and how this can really help us feel calmer and also just more in the moment yeah absolutely so I think when we're eating mindfully it's I mean it's just an opportunity to slow down and to take a break in our day that might be very busy and you might be on your computer all day or running around from meeting to meeting and unfortunately what most of us tend to do is we'll eat our lunch at our desk or we'll eat in front of the telly and you know it's it it's, might be stressful if you're answering emails with one hand and, and eating your lunch with the other. And actually, we have this opportunity at meal times to really slow down and take a bit of time for ourselves and tune in. And mindfulness is like, um, it's like exercising a muscle when we practice mindfulness. So if you're able to really put your attention on your food as you're eating it, notice the colors of the food on your plate taste every mouthful, take your time to chew, put your knife and fork down as you're chewing and really take your time with it. What you're doing is not only calming yourself down in the moment, but you're training your mind to be more present and to strengthen that mindfulness muscle so that as you're going through the rest of your day, you're going to be able to be more in the moment because you practice being in the moment while you're eating. So really think of it as having two benefits, being calming in the moment and also training you to be more focused on the here and now in your day to day. And so often such a big part of anxiety is going into the future Mm. and imagining all the things that could go wrong. And actually, if we can just be right here and right now, then chances are we're going to feel a lot more calm and relaxed. And do you think you can do this with all, so for example, mealtime, that's really useful. Put your knife and fork down whilst you're chewing. So things like, do you th- is there ways you could use this with like snacks? So for example, apples, if you were having them in the morning or a snack after you've been to the gym or like a protein shake, things like that. Are there ways that we can still slow down when it's not a, a mealtime as such, but still when we're eating and having those snacks? Absolutely. I think I think you can do it whenever you're eating, really. I think a big aspect of it is, and I know this is really hard for people to do because we're all addicted to our mobile phones, mm-hmm. but to try and get away from a screen. Mm-hmm. So even if you're just eating an apple and it takes five minutes, you know, yeah. put your phone away, close your laptop. Mm-hmm. If you're, even if you're drinking a protein shake and you're walking to the train or something, mm-hmm. really trying to focus on the taste of what you're drinking and just tune into that and the smell Mm -hmm. so you don't necessarily need to be taking yourself away for 20 minutes or half an hour it could just be those small moments of focusing on what you're doing and tasting and smelling and seeing Mm. I know I definitely don't do that enough and, and you're so right when you and the reason I wanted to talk about this with you is because 
a lot of people that experience anxiety won't necessarily see how other aspects of their life can help improve their mindset and their happiness and their ability to feel calmer. And I think eating is something we all have to do every single day. And we all do a lot of the time in a rush. And this really, when I read the book, it just made me think to myself, no matter where we are on our own self-development journey and our own mental health journey, of changing the way we eat our food and making it more enjoyable and slow and slowing down that process and allowing our mind to focus is a really good way to engage our brain on something in the moment and in the present. And I think that the tips that you've given with the the knife and the fork, focusing on the taste, also come down to what you said at the start about awareness, just becoming more aware of what you're doing and when you're doing it. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. The next thing I want to talk about is, and the reason I want to talk about this is because I, um, I do tell my community about this, but I only wash my hair on a Friday. <laughs> That's good. That saves yeah. a lot of time. Yeah, because um, I wear it in a ponytail in the week. If I exercise, obviously it's more, but I usually have baths. And for me, um, during my real heightened, anxious times, bathing was a really good tool for me. It made me feel really warm all over. I just had that comforting feeling. But as that's as my anxiety in my own journey has alleviated, I do shower more often. I just won't wash my hair. But for me, I do it so quickly and almost like a necessity. And I don't give myself the time and appreciation for what I'm doing. And actually the fact that when I'm in the shower, it shouldn't just be this quick, right, let's just quick body wash, let's go, shower gel, get out, dry, get back to the sofa watching TV or get back to the screen or back to the emails or you know, back to whatever it is we need to do. And the fact that, and, and again, this is something we all have to do every day is like shower or wash or bath or whatever we might do. And I know you have some really amazing, simple ways that you can become more mindful in that moment and also calm your mind, focus your mind. And, and I think it would be really good to share those as well about what you can do in the shower to become more aware of your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, and how you can actually gain back that sense of awareness Yeah, so I remember when I was really in the worst of my anxiety, I would wake up in the morning and just have a horrendous sense of dread. And I think that's one of the worst things about anxiety, that sense of dread about how you're going to get through the day or what might lie ahead of you in the day. And I think lots of people talk about the morning as being a really peak time for anxiety where you're, yeah, wondering how you're going to get through the day, basically. And for lots of people, it might be easy just to get into the shower and just for their brains to be turning over and worrying and having negative thoughts. And if we can use that experience in the shower, particularly in the morning, or maybe if it's in the evening, kind of after work to switch off from things, um, if you can use that time to come back into the present moment and to um, focus on the experience of having a shower so the feeling of the hot water and the smell of your shampoo and you know as you're washing your body kind of tuning into the the sensations again it's another opportunity to come back to the present and come back into your body because when we're anxious we're very often in our heads and spiraling with worries and negative thoughts and actually trying to bring your attention back into the body Mm. your calming your mind down automatically because it's very difficult actually to 
put your attention in your body and also be worrying at the same time. Your brain can't have that dual awareness. If you're really present and inhabiting your body, you'll find that your mind calms down. Mm. But I'm also a big fan of singing in the shower, I have to say. Yay! I'm a big fan of singing in the shower. And singing in general, so that would be my, my other <laughs> technique for starting the day right and um, feeling good in the morning. And there's loads of benefits to singing. It causes you to breathe deeply, for one. You have to take in more oxygen, and that's going to calm you down. Um, it's a distraction. It's something that posit- is positive. It feels good. So sing in the shower, I say. Oh, my gosh, literally. Do you know, I'm so excited for this already because I'm, I'm forgetting that I am asking you questions, and I'm getting so sucked into what you're saying which is a good thing because I just think there's so there's so many simple things that we can start to do and I'm sitting here thinking I could definitely do this in the shower I could definitely be more mindful of my shower gel we've just bought a new one actually and I always find that when I first use a new shower gel the smell is really really strong because I have used to it and it's actually why am I just allowing myself to go on autopilot and get used to that smell it smells lovely why don't I actually enjoy that smell and actually take the time to be in that moment and it's just it's even just I you know thank you because it's it's even making me think these simple strategies in every single day that we can just use our brain to the best of our ability rather than allowing it to exactly like you said run the show and, and spiral and do all these things that make us feel uneasy and anxious and unhappy use our brains to train them in a way that it can have that productive purposefulness all the time yeah totally but a quick side note as you mentioned singing I wondered what would be your go-to song in the shower when you want to lift your mood I'm trying to think, possibly something like Whitney Houston or <laughs> something kind of 80s, I would say. Whitney Houston, kind of pick something of the name. How, how will I know? How will I know by Whitney Houston? Yeah. Oh my God, I love that song. <laughs> <laughs> my boyfriend doesn't appreciate it that much, but I love it. So. Oh, I always as well, I'm, I'm a big fan for that as well, using music to lift your mood. And I always find... Um, I actually, if I say, if I was with my husband and we, you know, he, he was getting on my nerves driving or we were in traffic or whatever, I would always mouth the words to him and automatically it makes the situation funny because you can't not focus on the song or the lyrics or whatever it is. So I love that. And I also do love a bit of Whitney. So I'm pleased you said her. <laughs> brilliant. brilliant. <laughs> um, and then I've got two more that I just think, honestly, like I said, there's so many things that I want to share, but I want to use Chloe to the best of your your time as well, listening and, and give you things that you can take away from her and use and actually think, do you know what, I, ca- I could put this in my life right now and just feel like you're going away with a plan. And even for me listening, I'm already thinking, I can't wait to get home and have a shower and try and test this on myself. You know, it sounds really, you know, I'm, I'm genuinely excited to think, let's see if I can do that. So I love the two that you've shared already about the eating and the shower. And another one that I think is really useful, which I again, is more for a mindset perspective, is when you talk all about floating rather than fighting. Yeah, so that's a technique that comes from Claire Weeks. And she wrote a number of books about anxiety. She's, she was an Australian doctor and she wrote about anxiety. And she uses this example of imagining that you're swimming in the sea and you get pulled into a current. 
And it's almost as if that current is like the anxiety or the panic that's kind of trying to suck you in, basically. Mm. And in that moment, you've got two choices. You can either struggle against the current and you can, you know, paddle your legs and thrash your arms around. And if you do that, you're going to end up pretty exhausted and you're maybe going to end up panicking even more. Or the other choice, the other option that you have in that moment is that you can just relax your body, you can let go, and you can float with the anxious feelings. And almost imagining that you're in the sea, and if you were to completely let your body go floppy in the sea, your body would actually float because of the salt water and because there's a lot of air in your body. And so instead of kind of fighting against anxiety and panic, which actually just exhausts us and makes us even more anxious Mm. to really as much as possible kind of go with the feelings and trust that they're going to pass. You're not going to feel like that forever Mm. to try and imagine what it would be like to, to float with those feelings to almost kind of let go, let your body sort of go floppy almost and just to go with the feelings rather than fighting against them. So I think that's just something but it's good to remember just in general when it comes to anxiety or in particular things like panic, panic attacks. Mm. I love metaphors as well. I, I use them all the time and I think that's a really good one. It's such an easy way to just think to yourself, imagine the anxiety as a current and, and how you want to respond to it. I think that's a really good change of perspective as well because I think a lot of people, um, and I know I did, I saw anxiety as almost like my enemy and I do all I could to kind of fight against it and ignore it and pretend it wasn't there and not give it any attention and and do my best to try and avoid it and run from it and actually when I stopped to actually understand it and and take control of what it was that was making me feel that way things did start to change and I think that that's a really nice way of, of putting it and also a really achievable way just start with the float you know just start with not fighting so much totally I think we we fight against it or we try to distract ourselves or numb ourselves or I don't know go on our phones or we drink half a bottle of wine or something and sometimes we do need to sort of face up to the anxiety as well and Mm. um treat it as a friend not not as the enemy and ask ourselves what is this Mm. trying to tell me why is this anxiety showing up for me now it's here for a reason maybe you need to change something or do something different in your life or um start taking care of yourself more or work out things from your past but it's usually there for a reason Mm. so true and this is the next one I want to talk about is all about this toolkit. And, you know, I know that you're the same, Chloe. You, it's all about giving people things that they can take away and use. And I think when you talk about your toolkit, it's exactly that. Like people need to feel like they have a plan moving forward. And I feel like for me, with with my sort of journey of anxiety, that's one thing. I, I felt so lost. I felt like I was just so overwhelmed with this feeling and there was no way out. I didn't have answers or solutions or actions that I could actually use I just felt like I had to just give in and I felt so defeated all the time you know the anxiety was just always on top of me and I just felt like I was always fighting a losing battle and I think these tips and strategies and everything else you talk about you know online on your website your podcast and your book it's just what people need you know that it's simple things that people can take hold of and actually move forward with 
yeah, I think it's it's quite empowering to know that there are things available that you can do. And I think it's important to to try things and have an open mind and see what works for you because some things are going to work for you, other things might not. And just having that open mind and willingness to give things a go and experiment a bit with, with what will help you. Mm. And then that leads me on to my next thing, which is all about, and it's another mindset one. It's all about the expectations and and as well, this it seems so simple, but until someone makes you aware of it, you don't realize how much you do the opposite. So you talk about always expecting the best and preparing for the worst rather than expecting the worst and preparing for the worst. So it's that change of, again, the change of mindset. What do you, what would you say is a really good place to start with this and your expectations? So there was some interesting research done into worrying and it found that 85% of the things that we worry about end up having positive outcomes and then of those 15% of things that don't have a positive outcome 75% of the time we end up handling them much better than we thought we would so as evidence to say that things are going to be good and even if they aren't good we're going to actually be able to cope with them and manage them and, and get through those situations in a in a positive way mm. so it does make sense to be positive about things it does make sense um what happens I suppose when we're anxious is that we think the worst we catastrophize our minds and our imaginations will go into all the things that could go wrong um and that is going to create a lot of anxiety and so what I'm always you know telling my clients to consider is that you know what would happen if you were imagining what could go right and if you had that kind of expectation that actually things could go really well so almost as a visualization you know so if you've got I don't know a meeting coming up and you're imagining that you're gonna get some bad feedback from your manager or something and actually imagining what that meeting would be like if actually they had some positive you know constructive things to tell you and you were able to be confident in that meeting and speak your mind and ask what you want and so really starting to just focus on what could go right and to almost create an image in your mind of what that would be like if it was going right instead of the opposite, which is often what we tend to gravitate towards kind of expecting the worst. Absolutely. And I think anxiety can draw us into the pessimist. And, and I know that I definitely was so pessimistic all the time. Exactly, exactly what you're saying. I always thought of the worst case scenario. And I think it's just so helpful to hear that it's not something that is unrealistic for people to just start thinking okay you're already having this thought of what if it goes wrong you can have exactly the same thought but think what if it goes right you know it's not this big drawn out process it can be a really simple question that you ask yourself to just try and bring yourself into the positive perspective yeah just I suppose opening your mind to that possibility Mm -hmm. and then I've got a couple of questions that whenever I do an interview, I always try and think about if someone was listening to this, because I, I listen to a lot of podcasts as well. And sometimes I think, oh, I really want to find that out. And I really hope they ask these kinds of questions. And, you know, we get to know the person a bit more. So I want to just ask you a couple of questions that are maybe a bit more about you and your journey and your lifestyle and how you live so that people feel like they know you a bit better rather than just the strategies. Is that okay? Sure. Yeah. Great. 
Okay. If you had to pick one thing that you do, so one habit or one routine that you do regularly that has a positive impact on your mindset, your happiness, your mood, what would that be? It's definitely meditation. Mm -hmm. I'd be very lost I think without meditation I feel like it's changed my brain I feel like it's rewired my brain and just changed it so that my brain's a lot more positive naturally having incorporated that and how often would you say you meditate I do it twice a day for 20 minutes at a time so I take it quite seriously Mm -hmm. and I literally organize my day around making sure I can do my meditation. It sounds quite extreme and not everyone has to do that long. But for me, I found that doing that amount has a, such a benefit on me that it's worth it. That's so good. Okay. Yeah, that, I love that. And I love that you make time. So actually you put the positive, you put the positive habit in place and then your day works around that. So if someone said, oh, let's go for brunch, you would make sure that you were able to still do your positive habit before you went and did that. Yeah, I mean, probably 10% of the time I end up not doing it because I do go for brunch or I go out, you know, in the evening and don't get a chance to do it. But, you know, 90% of the time I'm I'm making that the priority. And if you had to think about a book that you've read, apart from your own, (laughs) um, (laughs) a positive impact, whether it was right at the beginning of your journey or more recently or during any time during self-development or empowering and mindset, what book would you suggest people go and read? So it's something that I actually reread recently and it's it's an audio book by Byron Katie. I don't know if you've heard of her. Yeah. It's called Your Inner Awakening. Oh my God. And she... Ah, very good. Very good. Um, She is the one that talks a lot about um, questioning your thoughts. And she asks us to ask ourselves, is that really true? So any kind of negative thought you're having, any worry, ask yourself, is that really true? Um, Can I absolutely know that that's true? And the, the answer is we can't absolutely know that that thought that we're not good enough is true. So she really gets you to interrupt those negative thoughts and question them. Um, So I think that's just really powerful. And I listen to that again and again, I think. I love that. Okay, good. Maybe I need to get that from my basket into my paid items. (laughs) Do it, do it. Um, If you had to, are there any foods or drinks or anything that you consume that you think has a negative effect on your mindset or anxiety or how you're feeling about yourself and therefore you avoid having them? So I, it's probably quite a typical one, but I gave up coffee probably about six years ago because I, yeah, for reasons of wanting to feel better and and more calm. And now if I were to accidentally have a coffee, I might have a decaf or something, but if I accidentally drink a caffeinated coffee, I feel horrible because it's just a sign that how much, how much caffeine actually impacts you. And if you don't have it for ages and then you have it, you get a kind of real, it, you know, my heart will start to race and that sort of thing. So I just don't have coffee now. But I do have hot chocolate. I've got, I've almost replaced it with oh something God. even less healthy, probably. Oh, hot chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. I make it out of stevia. So it hasn't got those, you know, it hasn't got any sugar in it. It's mm. just got some natural sweet in it. But yeah, I've kind of replaced it with hot chocolate. That's my thing these days. Oh my God, I love that. I love hot chocolate. I don't really like coffee either. So literally, I'm, I'm, I'm totally on board with this situation. <laughs> If there was one piece of advice that you could give your 
10 years ago self, 20 years ago self, the person that did and was in that pit of anxiety, you know, there was just, you didn't see a way out. If you could give that person one piece of advice, what would you say? So I'd probably say you're okay. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with you. You're a nice person. You're good enough. You know, just keep doing what you're doing. You're okay. Mm. Reassurance. Yeah, reassurance, I think. So much of people's anxiety comes from not feeling good enough or having low self-esteem, and that was the case for me. And I think at 15, when I first started having panic attacks and experiencing social anxiety, I just thought that there was something wrong with me, basically. So I would just reassure her that she's okay. Mm. Is there any... So I know a lot of people that are in my community and people that I speak to have anxiety in a situation where they know that certain situations are bad for them or relationships or people, and it almost exacerbates the anxiety. Did you ever experience any people that, and I I use this in inverted brackets, but it just kind of explains what I'm trying to say, people that you would have deemed now when you're out the other side as almost toxic, and how did you start to detach yourself from those people if you did have them yeah that's really interesting I think I'm trying to think back probably in terms of relationships I think if you don't feel good about yourself you're going to almost attract people that don't treat you well because you I think I was in the past giving off a a kind of a sense of I don't know not not feeling worthy so you you then attract people that don't treat you like you're worthy basically so I think it always has to come back to taking care of yourself and treating yourself well and actually when you're doing that you won't stand for being treated badly because you'll know that you deserve better I think it's got to come back to to yourself and that was definitely the case for me so rather than focus so much on the other people you spent the time focusing on yourself and your own happiness and then after that it kind of all unfolded itself naturally yeah absolutely okay that's a good one and I know I I'm so aware Chloe that I've literally probably gone all around the houses and been a little bit all over the place with this but I kind of just wanted to get as much as I could into our time together and of such a range you know like I wanted to make sure that I could get so much out of your brain into the podcast no worries it's good it's all good um and then I've got one final question if you were to be in a situation now where you did start to have those anxious feelings or those you know little niggles what would be one of the first things you would do to kind of stop it from escalating Yeah, so I think it's a bit of a myth that you can cure anxiety because you can't cure what is a normal human emotion. I think everyone is going to feel nervous at times. People are going to be worried at certain times in their lives. And so I'm not going to say that I'm completely cured and I'm never going to feel anxious again. I'm glad you said that. (laughs) That's not the case. Um, What do I do now? I think it's got to come down to making sure in my day that I'm taking time for myself because... I know that some people really thrive on being super busy and having packed schedules. And they, I actually think some people get a bit addicted to the adrenaline of being on the go all the time. And it's probably not that good for them. But for me, I really don't enjoy being mega busy. I don't enjoy pushing myself really hard. And, you know, it's, it, I don't think that's the way I'm most productive or even a very nice person when that's happening. So I am, um, 
you know, if I start to feel myself getting anxious, it's got to come back to more time for myself, making sure that I'm going to bed early, exercising, meditating, all the really simple kind of obvious stuff. Yeah. But, you know, taking care of yourself and making sure that you're having time and space for yourself, I think, Mm. you know, if you feel that anxiety coming up. It's so true though. And to be honest with you, I'm glad you've said that because I would always encourage that. It is the simple things. And sometimes it's so easy to take those for granted. And in a busy day, the first thing that goes by the wayside for a lot of people would be, for example, the meditating or going to the gym because they still have to get home, cook dinner, get petrol, whatever they need to do. So it is really good that the things that you're saying actually help you are the things that we need to make more time for because I know I've definitely in the past been so guilty of just running around on the hamster wheel and never getting off and just feeling like I'm relentlessly going round and round and round. And when I do get off, it's because I'm either ill, so run down, or I had a complete breakdown because I was not giving myself the simple pleasures of just sitting and going for a walk or having a nap or painting my nails, simple things like that, allowing myself to exercise to just regroup and refocus. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad I love that. And I honestly, I wish I could, (laughs) I wish I could keep talking to you, but I know that I have to kind of get this show on the road. So, um, not get this show on the road because we're finishing wind this up is what I should say. Um, (laughs) I will make sure because Chloe's got so many good um, meditations and things that you could use and exactly what I've been saying this whole time, take away and actually implement right now. So I'll make sure I put the website, I'll put your podcast on there and also the book as well if people haven't read it. So don't panic if you don't have all this information whilst you're listening. I'll put it all in the show notes when when it's there for you. Um, But for me, I just really genuinely want to say thank you for talking to me and also everyone listening to this because I do think it's a topic that so many definitely experience and struggle with and sometimes really do feel like they are on their own and there's no help, support, solutions, ideas, action steps. You know, they just feel so bewildered and overwhelmed by the emotion. And I'm I'm really grateful that you've taken the time to give us some really simple and actionable steps that we can all take away and use today so thank you thank you so much for having me and yeah I love your work and I'm really interested to see what else you'll be up to in the coming months and yeah great job me too I'm so excited but thank you so much and I will make sure that obviously we'll if you don't stalk Chloe on Instagram you really need to do that because that's a daily hobby of mine (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I'm thinking there as well but again thank you so much and I'm sure I'll speak to you soon Thank you. Amazing. Thanks. Bye. Bye.